Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 030. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, have you ever felt alone? Many of us have, and just as many, we're probably not fond of the feeling. There's something eerie about feeling alone or lonely, like a silence that's so loud it's deafening. How do we get through those times when we feel like nobody's watching our backs or nobody understands what it is we're going through? Well, the Bible has more to say about this than you might think from some people who know a whole lot about lonely. Let's find out more. People. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. It's a statement that we can probably drop so many different things into. But it is true. In fact, one pastor that I know of often sticks this bit into a lot of his wedding messages. It says, there's only two things wrong with this relationship. The man and the woman. The rest has potential. People can make life interesting sometimes. Maybe you can think of a few examples of how that plays out. But you ever have to experience the flip side of that? Doing life alone? Doing life when it feels like nobody's got your back? Like you're, you're just stranded out there to deal with all that life will throw at you? It can feel even worse when you are physically surrounded by people. You're in a crowd. You are physically not alone, but yet you feel alone. Feel lonely. You ever have some of that? I mean, that can do things to you. Can the Bible actually have anything that speaks to that? To those kind of situations that get us down almost so deep that are like at our core level of who we are? In fact, it can. And it's going to use two experts who know this subject probably better than anyone else to show exactly what it can do. Let's pray together. God, use your word this morning to help us see where real life, where real joy comes from. Amen. Well, this week, we get to start off a new worship series that I have aptly titled, More Than Happy. And very, very intentionally, because most people like the idea of being happy throughout the day. Can somebody say amen to that? Okay, good. I'm tracking you. I would guess that 99 people out of 100, if given the choice, would choose to have happiness over sadness. I mean, there's enough... Stuff that can make us sad, just that happens to us, that we don't have to go out and and seek it out all on our own. It'll come at us. Greatest happiness may be, there is a whole nother level that we can get to. A level called joy. And so this whole series kind of boils down to this one sentence. And not that I want you to ditch me for the next four weeks, but here's what this all comes down to, example after example. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a lifestyle. Happiness is that kind of thing that can ride the waves of circumstances. And if you're having a good day, hey, you're happy. If Syracuse is winning or your back is doing good, you're happy. But if things are going bad, car breaks down, the coffee's burnt, whatever, there goes sadness. Joy, on the other hand, is independent of our circumstances. That we can have joy whether we are, our team is winning the World Series, the Super Bowl, or our whole lives are falling apart in front of us. We can still have joy. Now, how do I know this? How can I say this? Because 
the guy who wrote the book we're looking into, the book of Philippians, it's called the joy book. He writes this letter from a prison cell. I mean, a guy who should be able to say amongst everything, where is the joy? And he uses joy more times per capita than any other book out there in Scripture. And he starts off with Philippians 1. I'm going to read verses 1 to 11. That's where we're going to focus for today. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. It's probably one of my favorite sections of scripture, because there are friends of mine that I imagined back when I was a young Christian in college. I read this prayer, and I almost envision, even though they're hundreds of miles away, like we're talking to each other, like this is the exact kind of words my friends would use. And it brings me that kind of joy. I mean, who wouldn't want more joy in their life? It's one of those things that no matter how much you've got, you always think, I could use some more. And it's one of those few things that even though you've got a ton and you still want more, that's okay. Because more joy and more joy and more joy, certainly an acceptable desire. To have joy that can survive hard circumstances, even if they are not at the level that Paul is dealing with, sounds like a good thing. I'd take it. But Paul, who has this incredible joy, even though he's writing from a prison cell, his joy runs face first into loneliness. Because no matter how much he may experience joy and have friends on the outside and all of that, he is still in a prison cell, alone, probably waiting for his execution. Hungry. I mean, he doesn't even have guards to bring him food. Because back then, the state didn't feed prisoners. It was friends that would do it. He's really drawing support from the Philippians, even though they're a long distance away. And it's not like they can just you know, FedEx him a, an edible arrangement or something like that in prison. He's asking them for help. People far away. Some of whom he may not have even met. And they've got to love him enough that they're going to send their own people through this journey to Paul in prison to give him food. But they get, each party in their own situation, gets that they are a part of something bigger than themselves. As Paul says in verse 5, this is because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is why he's thankful in his remembrance of Paul. Because of your partnership in the gospel. They're part of kingdom business, working together. Now, this idea can run the Christian into a bit of a roadblock. 
Because we may look at it and think, well, if I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to be lonely. I'm not supposed to feel this way. I'm not supposed to feel alone. This isn't supposed to feel bad. What's wrong with me that I feel alone, that I feel lonely? Well, the truth is, nothing is wrong with you if you feel that way, if you've felt that way. We're human beings in a fallen, sinful world. Fact. I mean, if there was something wrong with you for being lonely, you take one quick look at the experiences I've had in my biography, and I would be probably the chief of messed up. But though lonely may be normal, or it may be normal to experience loneliness at times, it can still run us into some dangerous places. I've seen some of them, and they're not fun. Maybe some of you guys have even seen them worse than I have. And so I want to take a little bit of time and dispel some of the lies that we can believe about loneliness and about that, what that feels like and what that makes us feel like we're a part of. The first lie we're going to break down. Loneliness means I am alone. Lie, number one. The fact is, the Christian is never alone. Because God promises in Deuteronomy 31, I will always be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And many other writers in the Bible will often quote this idea in some form or another. That God stays with us. Even though we may feel alone in a, in a human sense. But sometimes, God can take that feeling of discontent, that feeling of loneliness, and actually use it to drive us towards him. That we might find our joy in him. Now, I was one of those that I didn't do relationships a lot until I got older. I didn't start dating until the latter part of college. And so that loneliness kind of became a glaring fact for me. And so I would put that at sort of the the priority number one. Don't be lonely. Get rid of this loneliness thing because loneliness stinks, to put it PG rated. And it would cause me to look for relationships or look for friendships in places that maybe that it wasn't meant to be, even if it wasn't bad places. But as I got closer and closer to graduation, as many of you know, I became a Christian in college, so I was kind of spent a lot of time learning, developing the ideas for ministry and everything like that. And as I got closer to graduation, I realized if I want to continue this, I've got some work to do. And so I really focused on that. So my senior year, I was you know, looking for a home church, looking for ways to continue doing ministry. And when I focused on that, what would God do but have me meet this girl who's talking about a mission trip in Nebraska? Never mind the fact that she was completely gorgeous, although I will admit that I have appreciated that fact for 18 years now. God waited until I was focusing on him before Rachel and I would meet. And the rest is history. I promise that's the only time that I'm going to embarrass you that I know of in this message. (laughs) Line number two, that we can tell ourselves and really even believe down to our core, nobody understands my pain. Nobody knows what I'm going through. You ever tell yourself that? You ever hear somebody tell you that? Well, if you really want to be technical, okay, Maybe there's some truth to this. Maybe your combination of circumstances and history and emotions and people involved and characters involved is pretty unique. But the fact is, 
if we tell ourselves this, that nobody gets it, we will shut everybody off, including those who might have some idea what it is that we're going through. Because loneliness, there's some common ideas to it. And though I may not have experienced it at your exact age and your exact situation with your exact characters, I may still know a little bit about what it feels like to be alone, what that feels like to, to hurt in that way. And that counts for everybody. That's not just for me. But it can also get us to push out the fact that Jesus knows what it's like. Because if we've experienced it, so has Jesus. I mean, you take one cursory look through the Gospels, and you see Jesus has experienced loneliness in just about every form that exists. I mean, he is put out into the desert to be alone in John 4. He is ditched by his friends in Luke 22. He's betrayed by one of his own in Matthew 26. He's deserted by God, even, on the cross in Matthew 27. Probably even a couple other examples that I'm missing. If we've experienced it, Jesus has too. And when we get that, when we get that there is somebody who understands, somebody who gets it in a way that we think nobody else will, it frees us to experience relationships with other people without having to count on them to fill that need that only Jesus could do. It allows me to love my bride, sorry, I guess there was one more, without requiring her to be the one who fills every single need that I have because I know she's a human being. And hopefully she knows I'm a human being too. It frees my friends to not have to to be everything to me. They can be human beings. Your friends can be human beings because you know there is a God who gets it and can fill every one of those needs. Lie number three that we can tell ourselves. And this may be particular to Christians, and I won't really apologize for that. We can often tell ourselves, loneliness means I don't have enough faith. I feel lonely. I, we, and we can, again, fill this lie with many other words. If I worry, it means I don't have enough faith. If I'm scared, it means I don't have enough faith. If I'm hurt, it means I don't have enough faith. We're going to deal with this one pretty quick. Because as I had said, if you've experienced it, so has Jesus. And Jesus has experienced loneliness of every variety out there. Does anybody want to say Jesus didn't have enough faith? And yet he experienced it. So let's just let that one go. So what is the answer to loneliness? To experiencing joy even in that kind of circumstance? Yes, it is Jesus. Now, I know that may sound like the Sunday school answer that I'm so often putting off and saying I don't want Sunday school answers and maybe I'm breaking my own rule to say it. But again, look at what Paul writes. Paul is a guy who understands at his core right now what lonely is all about, what lonely feels like. And he's constantly writing about joy. And in that discussion about joy, he uses Jesus and gospel in some form or another six times in 11 verses. Something tells me there is some connection between this topic of Jesus and joy. Somehow they are interrelated. That when Paul, who should not be experiencing joy, certainly not happiness, talks about joy and talks about Jesus at the same time, there's something there. And Jesus loved us enough, even though we were his enemies, even before we would even think about choosing him, 
He chose to love us enough to come down and experience those very things with us. To experience loneliness, worry, hurt, betrayal, pain. And you might say, okay, great, Jesus knows, but I need something tangible to put my hand on, something I can see or sense in order to have this sense of joy, in order to have it be real rather than just sort of this academic mumbo-jumbo pastor's talking about God in the clouds sort of thing. Okay. When I first heard of the gospel, that was actually my biggest objection. My biggest roadblock that I couldn't get by was I could not touch it physically. So I get what that's like. So we're going to answer that with your next steps for this week. This is what I want you to do. If you pray for somebody this week, and I know a lot of you do, and I hope you do. If you even think of somebody this week, we'll we'll even lower the bar a little bit. Tell them. Drop them a note. Give them a call. Send them a message. Whatever it is. Just to say, hey, I was thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Hope you're having a good day. Wording, be creative with that. The idea is just letting somebody know you're there. You're thinking of them. They aren't alone. It would blow your mind the the kind of encouragement that can be. And it would blow your mind the way that phone call, that card, that text message can arrive at just the moment we need it. Blow your mind. Now, I know some of you look at me right now and you're like, Brian, I do this all the time. Come on, where's the challenge here? If so, great. I'm glad. Keep doing it. I mean, imagine what this community would be like if we all knew that people were praying for each other. Again, I know many of you do it. So this is not like something totally brand new. This is a reminder. Keep doing it because it's worth it. Because it reminds us that we are not alone. That we are not to have to feel lonely. If we do this, all of a sudden loneliness will not be the word of the day. But abundant life will win the day. Because we will know that with Jesus, yes, and we got the blessing of a community, yes, that we are not alone. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, I'm better than you. We hear it in many forms and in many ways, but it's an idea that often stirs up all kinds of emotions inside us. How can we experience joy when everything around us seems to be singing that very deadie in our ear? Can we be joyful when all the good stuff seems to happen to other people? You bet, even if it involves responding to those who try to one-up us. Find out more next week on the Woodland Worship Podcast.